Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. We are in week two of our study in Revelation, and I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm calling this study The End of the World, and we're taking nine weeks to walk through the book of Revelation. Last week, we talked about Revelation chapter 1. And what I shared with you, if you weren't here, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. We talked about how the book of Revelation isn't really what you think it is. And uh, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all scary. Really what the book of Revelation is all about is Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. And those of you that were here, I gave you some next steps. I asked you to spend some time reading through the book of Revelation, read chapters 2 and 3 in anticipation of today's teaching. And also I asked you to go through and find the 18 descriptions of Jesus in chapter 1. And I'm not going to take a show of hands, but I know a bunch of you were doing that. And some of you even came and asked me to help you find the ones that you couldn't find. So I'm so glad that you are going after your blessing. Revelation 1-3 says we are blessed if we read the book of Revelation, if we hear it, and if we obey it. So we're going to be blessed, yes? Who wants to be blessed? All right. It's a blessing. Today, we're going to dive into uh, Revelation chapters 2 and 3, and what I'm calling this message is the state of the church. Because what we find in these two chapters of Revelation is that Jesus is sending messages to seven churches in Asia, and he's talking to them about what's going on, and he's really evaluating the state of the church at that time, much like the President of the United States or the Governor of the State of Montana would give a State of the Union address or a State of the State address. Jesus is telling us what's up in those seven churches. And so we're going to be looking at that today. We're going to find that Jesus says to us, it's time for us to open up our ears and listen to what he's saying to us. Open up your ears and listen. But we have a little bit of a, of a problem listening sometimes, right, for a variety of reasons. How many of you have suffered any kind of hearing loss? Okay. Oh, boy, there's a bunch of us in this service. I've got a little bit of hearing loss in my left ear. Actually, right, I'm not really sure if I do anymore because right after first service, a group of students walked up and said, Pastor Russ, we want to pray for you. And so they laid hands on me and they prayed for the Lord to heal my ear. So I'm going to say, yes, Lord, bring it, right? Um, Really thought that was awesome. But up until now, I have had a little bit of hearing loss in my left ear, and I'll tell you why. Um, When Chris and I were celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary, the church we were serving in sent us on a trip to Hawaii for uh, uh, an anniversary present, and it was an awesome trip. And uh, it had been a long time when we got there. It had been a long time since I had been to the ocean, really since either one of us had been to the ocean. And uh, years ago, both of us had been trained as scuba divers. Do we have any scuba divers? Okay, a few. Um, and, and I really enjoyed scuba diving, but Chris didn't so much. And so after our last scuba diving trip, and that's a whole other story, but uh, we just quit diving. And so when we got to Maui and got in the water, I was just so excited. And I, I, I swam out to where it was deep, and the water was just crystal clear. And I began doing what is called free diving, okay? And free diving is, is sort of like this. This is a guy free diving, and that's not me, in case you can't tell. And uh, 
Free diving is when you're not wearing scuba gear, so you don't have a means to breathe underwater, but you're just kicking down as deep as you can and, and just, just going, uh, you don't have weight belts, any of that stuff. You're just kicking down using the power of your fins and that stuff to get down to the bottom and dive that way. And then, of course, when you're out of air, you've got to surface, right? Well, one of the things you learn when you're scuba diving is that if you go to certain depths of water, the deeper you go, there's more and more pressure underwater that starts to affect your ears, right? And so what they call it is clearing your ears. As you go deeper, you'll feel this pressure in your ears. And so what you do is you plug your nose and you blow gently, which is forcing air into your ear uh, cavities or whatever it's called, those tubes that are in there. And, and it, it prevents your eardrum from popping from the pressure, right? Well, we had learned all of that as divers, but it had been so long since I'd been diving and I was so excited to get in the water that I just start doing this free diving stuff and I get down, I don't know, 15 feet, maybe 20 feet, just get down there and all of a sudden I feel this pressure in my ears. And, and instantly I'm thinking, i got to clear my ears, and I didn't even think about it. And so then I'm struggling, I'm underwater, and I'm trying to figure out how to get my, uh, my mask is such that it takes two, two fingers to, to plug your nose, and I couldn't get it, and then I felt my left eardrum just pop. And uh, it was just this awful feeling. But I didn't want to get out of the water because I was having so much fun. I was so excited. So I just kept diving, and I got under there, and I figured out how to clear my ears and kept swimming. But when I got out of the water finally and we were heading back to the car, I realized that I couldn't hear right out of my left ear. Something was wrong with that ear. Well, in the course of the rest of our vacation, we spent a lot of time in the water, and I was doing a lot of that kind of activity. And one of the other things that, that we were doing that I thought was so fun, we found a, a big beach. It's called Big Beach. Have any of you been to Big Beach? Um, some of you have. Big Beach is awesome. I think it's like a mile long, and the surf just rolls in. Huge surf on that beach. And I was having so much fun, and Chris to this day makes fun of me because I would stand there where the, where the breakers were hitting, and I would just let the waves pummel me. And I'd go tumbling, and I would, I would go back to our condo, and my swimsuit would just be full of sand, just fistfuls of sand stuck in the pockets and, and you know, everything else. And, and I was just accumulating all this sand, you know. So we had all these experiences, and then when we finally got home to Montana, I realized something was wrong with that ear. So I decided to go to the ear, nose, and throat doctor and see if he could evaluate, and he takes out his little scope, and he looks in my ear, and he says, Russ, you've got a veritable beach in that ear. No wonder you can't hear. What he told me is that the sand in my eardrum was so thick that whenever that eardrum would start to resonate, it was, it was bouncing around all the sand particles like a timpani drum, okay? And, and it was distorting my hearing. So he took out this little ear vacuum cleaner, and he sucked out all of the sand, and immediately it was a little bit better. And, and he said, now, they're, they're maybe from the, from the diving where you didn't clear your ears, there might be some hearing loss. Let's just give it some time and see what happens. And over time, it started to heal, and it got better and better and better. But I've noticed over the years that I'm probably only about 90% in this ear. And I usually don't notice it unless I'm in an environment like a coffee shop where there's music or there's a lot of talking, sometimes church, that kind of a thing. If there's a lot of ambient noise in a room. I have trouble hearing out of this ear. So if you walk up to me and try to say something in this ear, a lot of times I'll turn to the other ear because I can hear better out of this ear. And I've just struggled with that. So I've got hearing loss, just a little bit in one ear. But it's hearing loss. Sometimes we can't hear 
well. Other times, we don't hear well. Why? Because we don't listen, right? Who doesn't listen? All the wives are elbowing their husbands, right? Uh, Chris tells me sometimes, you, you just don't listen. And, and, and sometimes we don't hear because there's hearing loss or some physical problem. Other times we don't hear well because we don't listen. Or sometimes we don't hear well because we're just not paying attention. Anybody get easily distracted? Hey, hey, look, a squirrel, right? And you're just like this. Not paying attention. In the middle of my message in, in, in our first gathering, uh, Colt and Susie Fredrickson were sitting right here, and they just started kissing in the middle of my message. I, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? Kissing! You know, and, and some... And I get distracted, and I don't, if you're like me, you know, a little ADD, whatever, it just, you know, something distracts you, and I don't know what was up with that, but anyway, I'm still rattled by it. Not even talking about sex today, nothing, just, sometimes we're not paying attention, right, and we get distracted, and so we don't hear what's important. Listen today, Jesus is going to say to us, listen up. Jesus wants to get your attention. He wants you to hear. He wants you to listen up. Now, if you've got your Bibles with you, would you turn with me to the book of Revelation? And we're going to read just a little bit of Revelation chapter 2. Actually, I'm going to be covering both of these chapters. There's seven messages to seven churches in Asia, but I'm not going to take the time today to read two entire chapters of the Bible. But I'd like to give you a flavor of what these messages are like and hopefully whet your appetite to do some more reading and do a little more listening to what Jesus is saying. So I'd like us to read the entire first letter to this first church in Ephesus. And so if you've got your Bibles or if you want to just follow along on the screen, follow along as I read this to you from Revelation chapter 2. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. If you're reading in a different translation, your translation might say something like, you have lost your first love. That's so tragic to me. This, this is a little softer, but the original language literally says, you have lost your first love. Then Jesus says, look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Then he says this, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, or some translations will read, to him who overcomes, I will give fruit from the tree of life 
in the paradise of God. So that's the message that Jesus sent to the church in a city in Asia called Ephesus. Now, the first thing that I want you to see here today is that there are seven churches that Jesus said, I want you to send messages to the angels of these churches. And these, these seven cities are real cities. These are not imaginary cities. This isn't some fairy tale uh, that's based upon any kind of uh, just fantasy information. These seven cities really still to this day exist. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. And John, of course, was on the Isle Patmos right down there uh, close to the world box there. These are real places, and Jesus was addressing real situations in real places, real churches that existed at the time that this book was written. And so to help us illustrate a little bit today, I need seven people to volunteer to be angels for me this morning. And, and we're just going to get an overview of these seven, uh, seven letters uh, using seven volunteers who will be angels for me. Thank you so much for jumping right from your seats and volunteering. Come on. Thank you. Brian. Brian, come right on up here if you would. You can be the angel from the Church of Ephesus. Okay. Oh, excellent. We're doing so well. Uh, uh, Michael, move right over here. You can be Smyrna, okay, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and I'm so sorry, you're going to be Laodicea. It's a hard one to be. Okay, and do this. Would you just open them up and hold from the top there, and that'll help us out. Hold right at the top up here. Yep, like this. Okay. And... um. They are angels today, and so uh, I'm really thankful uh, for our, our helpers today that have provided halos for these seven angels. Would you give it up for the seven angels of the churches of Revelation? If you're having trouble wearing your halo, you may need to adjust your horns just a little bit, and then uh, it'll fit a little better. Kathy's having trouble with those horns. Okay, so... Um, Seven churches, Jesus sends messages to these seven churches. My wife, Chris, is going to be the Vanna White of Connect Church today, and she's going to help us. She's going to help us a little bit, just get an overview. So what I've done here is uh, there's a chart here with each one of the names of the churches, and I just want to give you the main thrust of each one of these seven letters. So the first one was the church in Ephesus. And the main thrust of that church was that they had lost their first love. And, and Jesus was addressing this church and, and saying, this is a problem. And then he went on, we're not going to read it today, but uh, he went on to the church in Smyrna. And the situation that Jesus was addressing in Smyrna was that they were suffering persecution. This was a church that was enduring great, great hardship. And Jesus had some messages to him. And then Pergamum is the third church that Jesus addressed. Isn't Chris doing a beautiful job? I was hoping she'd wear like a gown today. But um, Pergamum was in a little bit of trouble with Jesus. And he was saying this church had some problems and they needed to repent. The church in Thyatira is number four. And uh, Jesus said to this church that its leaders were teaching false doctrine. 
And he had some very strong things to say to that. Sardis was church number five. And if you read this letter, you'll find that this church had fallen asleep. And Jesus was saying to these people, wake up. I I need you to wake up and hear what I'm saying to you. And then the church in Philadelphia, uh, one of the great churches, Jesus had no corrections whatsoever for the church in Philadelphia and congratulated them for enduring patiently. And then the church in Laodicea, finally, Jesus said, was a lukewarm collection of believers, and they were in danger of being spit out, okay? He said, you are so distasteful to me in my mouth, it's like lukewarm water, and I may spit you out of my mouth. Kind of an alarming letter if you read that letter from Laodicea. Now, you remember last week that I talked to you, if you were with us, if you weren't, you won't remember, but that's another story. Uh, Last week, I talked to you about uh, layers of prophecy. Do you remember that? That whenever we study prophecy in the Bible, often there are layers of meaning. And I use the illustration that sometimes you can look at the Bridgers, and if you didn't know anything about the geography of Montana, you wouldn't even know that the snowy mountains or the crazy mountains are right beyond the Bridgers, right? Because from our perspective, all you see is that. Bible prophecy is like that. Often there's an immediate meaning that meant something to the readers in the first century, these seven churches, and then there's layers of meaning past that. So if you're taking notes this morning, this is what you can write down under layers of prophecy. It's this. These letters were written to specific churches, and the believers that received these letters in Ephesus, Smyrnum, Pergamum, and the rest of them would have understood that Jesus was communicating something very important to them. And, and, and when we study world history, we can, we can look at, uh, thank you, Sonny. When we study world history, we can look at these seven cities and we can see that the messages that went to these cities corresponded to the real events that were taking place. And there was meaning that these early Christians would have understood these letters to mean. But there's layers to prophecy. And there's more meaning to these letters that when you dive into them, you can discover there's really cool things that we can see. Some experts and some people that study Revelation have observed that these seven letters may refer to uh, eras of church history. And, and so, Chris, if you'll help me out, if you look at the letter to the church in Ephesus, this letter could apply to the apostolic church. Raise it up real high, Brian, if you would. Could refer to the apostolic church, which would have been in that first century. Because you see, after Jesus had gone to heaven to be with the Father, There was a drifting away from the love of Jesus. And so perhaps Jesus was saying to these early Christians, you need to return to your first love. Um, Period in history that Smyrna may uh, reflect would be the church under Rome. And if you know your world history, you know that in those first few centuries, uh, the Romans persecuted churches brutally. I believe it was Nero who would capture Christians, tie them to poles in his courtyard, set them on fire, and use burning living Christians to illuminate his parties. It it was brutal persecution. And, And Jesus' letter to Smyrna might address that. All right, Vanna, next one. Thank you. The next era of church history was the church under Constantine. 
And just like the church in Pergamum needed to repent, the church under Constantine was coming into a period of great compromise. Constantine was a Roman ruler who nationalized and made uh, Christianity the state religion. But with the mixing of church and state in that situation came great compromise. And what Jesus said to this church would apply very, very perfectly to the church under Constantine. And then the church in Thyatira, you're way ahead of Vanna there. Thank you. She's got it. But you're doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> the church in Thyatira, its leaders were, were, were teaching falsehood. And that letter could apply to the, the thousand years of the Dark Ages in which uh, Christian leaders didn't have access to Bibles. The printing press had not been developed yet. And so most churches wouldn't even have their own copy of the Scriptures. And so Christian leaders were inventing doctrines and teaching stuff that was far, far from the truth. And the words of Jesus to the church in Thyatira would 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 uh, correspond so beautifully to that teaching. And then Sardis. That could, could relate to the time of the Reformation under Martin Luther and John Calvin and, and Zwingli that was bringing a sleeping church to awakening. And of course, Jonathan Edwards and the other great revivalists would lead great awakenings of Christian faith around the world. And then finally, the message of the church in Philadelphia could uh, relate to the era of of the great missionary movement of the 17th and 18th and 19th centuries. And then church historians have observed that the church in Laodicea, this lukewarm church, may refer to the great apostasy that the Bible tells us will come in the very last days that uh, historians think may have started in the 1900s and would, would go on to today. And so here's this layer of meaning uh, that I think is very intriguing that, that uh, all of these letters might give us a prophetic overview of 2,000 years of Christianity. Isn't that kind of cool? But there's another meaning. There's another layer. And it's revealed by a sentence that is repeated in every one of the seven letters. Every one of them has the same line. And it says this. As soon as Van is done, we'll read this together. Isn't she doing a great job? Thank you, Chris. Would you read this with me? Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. This is the third layer of meaning. Jesus is saying if you have an ear, how many of you have an ear? At least one. If you have an ear, if you can hear, how many of you can hear? Okay, if you can't hear, you're probably not here. If you have ears, if you can hear, you need to listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. What does that mean? That means that these letters are speaking to every church in every period of time. These letters speak to every church in every period of time. And they speak to every individual in every period of time. So every church, every individual. So do you need to know what Jesus is saying to these churches? Absolutely. Do I need to know what Jesus is saying to these churches? Absolutely. 
Jesus says, if you have an ear to hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Here's what I want you to get from today's message. This is the main point. Jesus says, listen up. Listen up. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen up. Listen up. Would you give our seven angels a good round of applause as they exit stage right? If you'll just follow Chris, she'll take your stuff from you. Thank you so much. Listen up. Thank you so much, all of you, for being my victims today. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen up. Now, you might be asking yourself today, what should we be listening for? What should we be listening for? Let me tell you what's contained in these seven letters that you need to listen to. Uh, there's common elements to all seven of these messages to the churches. And we can listen to these things and we can learn and I believe we can hear Jesus speak to us as we look at this stuff. Here's five things you need to listen for. The first one is this. You need to listen for the affirmations that Jesus gives. When Jesus addresses these seven churches, each one of them says, this is an area where you're doing great. Good job. You're following me. You're, you're pushing through. You're, you're just killing it. And, and, and Jesus is affirming the churches and, and congratulating them for the things they're doing well. But on the other side of the coin, Jesus is offering some corrections that we need to hear as well. He's offering some corrections. Now, how many of you know that sometimes it's difficult to receive correction from anybody? Don't you hate it when your boss comes and and says, I need you to improve in this area, right? And you feel, oh, he hates me, right? Anybody ever felt like that, like your boss hates you? Or, or if your spouse says, I don't like the way you're doing, I don't like the way you leave the toothpaste in the bathroom, and you're like, oh, she hates me, okay? Does your spouse hate you because you leave the, the, the tube of toothpaste all squished up? No. Jesus doesn't hate you. Well, for some of you, maybe she does. I don't know. Um, here's something I want you to get today, because we need to hear this. Jesus brings us correction, but his correction is not rejection. The correction that Jesus brings to us is not rejection. It's so easy for us to be wounded when Jesus tells us the truth. And some of us don't want to hear the truth, Right? And, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, but, but sometimes we, we're, we're just not listening, or when we do hear it, um, I, I, I've been visiting with a guy uh, this last week who is reaching out to somebody that he knows that has not yet embraced Jesus. And this friend of his has said, because of this and this and this, I have determined that Jesus is evil. Okay? Now, that's a very common belief in our culture today. And they believe that Jesus is evil because they don't want to hear the correction that Jesus is bringing. And they have interpreted the correction of Jesus as rejection. Listen, Jesus isn't rejecting any one of us. Jesus died 
to pay the penalty for our sin so we don't have to pay for it. That's how much he loves us. But he also comes to us and says, listen, I don't want you to pay the consequences for your behavior. So let me give you a course, re- course correction. I almost said course rejection. <laughs> he gives us a course correction. Okay? And it's a good thing. We need to what? We need to listen up. Listen up. So he, he gives us affirmations. He gives us corrections. And then he gives us, I need my notes. He gives us promises. There are promises to people who are victorious in all seven of these letters. Uh, If you can overcome temptation, if you can listen to what Jesus says, correct your course, Jesus says there are great rewards for you. You need to listen so you'll be motivated to overcome. And then, in every one of these letters, Jesus gives us warnings. And this is another thing we need to listen to because Jesus is saying, listen, if you continue on this course of action, there may be consequences. And again, it's not rejection, but he's saying you can't continue in this behavior. You can't continue doing this or this or this, whatever it is. In these seven letters, Jesus says there are warnings, there's consequences to continuing in sin. We need to listen, right? Because I don't know about you, but I, I don't want the consequences. And then uh, the last thing that we need to listen to is Jesus' descriptions of himself. If you, if you did the study last week that I asked you to do to find this, the 18 descriptions of Jesus in chapter 1, you'll find that many of those 18 are repeated in chapters 2 and 3, and they relate to the messages that Jesus is giving to these seven churches. And there's four more, if you want to add on to your study, there's four more that aren't in chapter 1 that are in uh, these two chapters. Jesus tells us, he reveals to us who he is, and it enlightens the messages that he's giving to us. We need to listen up. Affirmations, corrections, promises, warnings, descriptions of who Jesus is. But the problem we have with listening for many of us, is that we have filters that prevent us from hearing well. Now, I I don't know if you've ever had any uh, sociology classes that talk about communication filters, but this is a problem that just about all of us struggle with in any relationship that becomes serious in our lives. Parents with kids struggle with filters. Husbands and wives struggle with filters. Bosses and employees struggle with filters. Let me tell you what a communication filter is. A filter is anything that causes you to hear a message that is different from what the communicator is trying to say to you. Okay? Filter is anything that causes you to hear a different message than what the person who is speaking to you is trying to communicate. Let me illustrate a little bit. Chris and I had a situation happen last night that, uh, that caused us to misunderstand one another. What happened was this. Um, several weeks ago, uh, our, the leader of our hospitality team, Craig Claus, 
resigned and, and uh, he, he left his leadership position. How could he do that? Because he moved to a new state. And so he had to leave Connect and he moved to New Mexico. And our hospitality team was left without a leader. And before he left, he got everything organized and put everything in place, but we didn't have somebody ready to step into that leadership position. So we had about a month of time or so in which there was no leader of that team. And a week ago, I met with um, a great guy and his wife, Bill and Julie Coat. Bill is standing right back there in the plaid shirt. And Bill and Julie are fairly new to Connect, but they're great leaders, and I asked them if they would take over the leadership of this team, and, uh, and they said yes, and so they've stepped in to lead that team. But we haven't got the word out to everybody yet that they're leading our hospitality team. And so last night, about 9.30, I got a message from somebody that was supposed to work the kitchen uh, in the first gathering this morning. We got this message, I can't be there, and I'm sorry I didn't give you more notice, not going to be there. Um, And so it comes to my telephone, this message. So I went to Chris, and Chris and Shoney have kind of been uh, pinch hitting for us while Bill and Julie were getting their their feet on the ground. And, And so I went to Chris because she's kind of been organizing everything. And I said to her, Chris, did you let everybody know that Bill was the new leader of this team? And immediately, Chris has a filter, okay? And I didn't know that the filter was there. You want to know what the filter was? The filter was, I met with Bill and Julie a week ago Thursday while Chris was at work, and Chris wanted to be at that meeting, and she got her feelers hurt because she wasn't included, but I didn't know that, okay? So here's a filter. I said to Chris, Chris, did you tell everybody that Bill was the new team leader? And she said, I didn't know that it was my responsibility to tell everybody. What she heard was, I said... Did you tell everybody? She heard, why didn't you tell everybody? You see how a filter works? And so I immediately realized she wasn't hearing what I was trying to communicate. So my solution, as it always is, is to just say it louder. I said, no, (laughs) did you tell everybody? And then she's even more defensive, and, you know, and, 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 and so what I'm trying to say, I'm just trying to gather information. She's feeling defensive because her feelers are hurt, and then pretty soon we're all emotional, you know, and it's Saturday night. We got church on Sunday morning. Anybody ever have, does that happen to anybody else? Okay. Thank you. I'm glad. And we got it worked out. We're fine. Okay. But, but here's a filter, okay? What am I saying? Sometimes when Jesus speaks to us, We have a difficult time hearing what he's saying to us because we have filters, okay? And sometimes Jesus can can say to us, Ida, I have something I want you to do differently. I need to give you a course correction. And Ida hears, Jesus hates me, (laughs) right? Because there's a filter. And the challenge that you and I have is to listen carefully for what Jesus is saying to us, because he says, listen up. If you've got ears to hear, you need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You need to read Revelation 2 and 3, and let me warn you, some of it's heavy stuff. It's tough, okay? Some of it is tough to read, because Jesus is getting dirty with, with course corrections, right? And we've got these filters, and, and, and we've got to break through the filters so we can hear what Jesus says. You've got to listen up. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen up.
Let me give you three next steps. Let me give you some next steps for how you can do this, okay? The first two are the same as last week, but uh, has a little bit of homework involved. The first one is get to know Jesus. Since this book is all about him, you want to get to know him. Last week I had you find the 18 descriptions of who Jesus is. This is what I suggest you do this week. In chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, there are 20 different rewards in these two chapters. 20 rewards that Jesus says, if you are victorious, if you will overcome, if you will fight against temptation and will stay the course, I've got rewards for you, okay? 20 of them in two chapters of the Bible. Why don't you make a list of those things this week? Revelation 22, verse 12, the end of this book, Jesus says this, look, I am coming, when? Soon. And I'm bringing. I'm bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Okay, now that's kind of an interesting sentence. He doesn't say, I'm bringing my punishment with me, is he? What's he bringing? His reward. Do you know that what you do in this life is earning you rewards in heaven? If you're following Jesus, you don't have to fear judgment. I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk about this in coming weeks. But you don't have to fear the judgment of Jesus It's rewards that he's bringing. But here's the catch. How you live determines how you will be rewarded. Here's what it says in 2 John 1.8. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive what? Your full reward. Here's how I picture it. Jesus has rewards. He's got 20 of them that he listed here. He's got all these rewards that he's going to pour out upon us generously. And and he wants us to get the fullness of all of his rewards. But evidently, some of us are going to get to heaven, and we're not going to get the full reward, okay? And and I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven and see Ida driving around in a new Mercedes Benz, and I get a 1970s-era Pacer, Okay? (laughs) That's going to be a huge bummer. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? This is important stuff, and Jesus is saying, listen up. So, So study this. Learn it. Find out what these rewards are. Get to know Jesus. Here's number two. Go after your blessing. Go after your blessing. Revelation 1, 3 says, you are blessed if you read, if you hear, if you obey. So your reading assignment, next week I'm going to be talking from Revelation 4 and 5. It's, it's heaven unveiled. It's this beautiful description, probably my two favorite chapters in all of Revelation. You're going to love it. And I hope that you'll read that before you get here next week and be blessed by what you learn. And then finally, listen up. And here's what I want you to do, a couple of things. First of all, I want you to listen for what the Spirit wants you to hear from these seven messages in Revelation. Do you have ears? Can you hear out of them? Do you have eyes? Can you read? Okay. Jesus wants you to listen, and he wants you individually to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. But also, I want to ask you to do this. Would you listen to what the Spirit wants us to hear. If you're a part of Connect Church, if you're a connector, if this is your church home, would you take some time to listen 
and to hear what Jesus is saying to connect church. And if Jesus begins revealing some truth to you, what I'd like you to do is shoot me a text message or send me an email or, or Facebook me or you can even call me up on the phone, whatever. But if Jesus is revealing something that we need to hear, let's start a conversation about it, okay? We might not hear the same things, and that's okay. We can dialogue, okay? And we can evaluate. 1 Corinthians 14 says, evaluate what the Holy Spirit says. And, and so let's start a conversation, but, but let's ask the question, what does Jesus want us to hear? Now, let me give you a warning. Don't call me up and say, Pastor Russ, Jesus told me to start serving broccoli instead of donuts, okay? That's not what I'm after, okay? Can we hear, can we hear what Jesus is saying in Revelation 2 and 3 and what he wants us to hear collectively as a church family. Does that make sense? And let's start talking about it. And let's ask the Spirit what he wants to communicate to us. Now, if you'll put your things aside, um, we're going to pray. Why don't you stand Would you bow your heads and just uh, pray with me? Jesus, I am so thankful, so thankful that when you left this planet and went to be the, with the Father, you didn't just leave us alone. You sent the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a blessing it is to have the Spirit who inhabits us, baptizes us, speaks to us, reveals truth to us. But still... You took the opportunity to come to John, who was in exile on the island of Patmos, and you revealed to him even more, and you sent these very personal messages to, to those seven churches that to this day are speaking to us. Can I just ask you, Jesus, will you show up as we wait in your presence, and will you speak to us? We're opening our ears, Lord. We're trying to tear down the filters, and we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to us individually, and we want to hear what the Spirit is saying to us as a group of Christians who call ourselves connectors. Now, while nobody is looking around, I, I just want to pray one more prayer. And this morning, if you're here and you're feeling a tug at your heart. Maybe you have never heard Jesus speak to you before. Uh, but this morning, maybe you're just sensing something that, that feels like it might be Jesus, and you want to start a relationship with Jesus that can transform you. I'm going to lead us all in a prayer that everybody's going to repeat out loud. And if you want to say to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you're coming back to him today, would you pray this from the deepest place that you have in your heart? And as you do, I believe that Jesus is going to begin changing you from the inside out. So could we all pray this out loud together? Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for revealing yourself to me. I see today that I need you. And I want to ask you to wash away my sin 
cleanse me from every evil thing. And change me, Jesus. Change me, Jesus, from the inside out. And help me to listen to what you're saying to me. And help me to obey. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to end a little bit differently today. Uh, First of all, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you mark it on your connection card? There's a box you can check that says, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And um, if you would do that, uh, we'd love to share some next steps with you in the process of following Jesus. And then this is what we're going to do after we pass the baskets in just a second. Don't move. Just listen for a second. Uh, I had a hard time this week finding a song to close this gathering with. I looked in all my databases and I Googled. I wanted a song that said, I'm listening, I'm opening my ears, whatever. I just wanted that perfect song to clinch everything, right? Couldn't find the song. Frustrated. And this morning when I was getting ready to come to church, I felt Jesus say to me, you couldn't find the song because I just want you to listen instead of, I want you to input instead of output. I want you to listen instead of singing. I want you to listen instead of doing all the talking. So what I'd like us to do, before you leave today, would you just take a little bit of time to listen for the voice of Jesus? Um, And I don't care how you do that. You might want to sit. You might want to stand. You might want to kneel. You might want to have your Bible open. You might want to scan those two chapters of Revelation. Whatever it is, would you just take some time before you leave to listen? And I believe that Jesus is going to speak when we open our ears and listen.